0: December 23rd, Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. Then I, John, saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a great waterfall, or the rolling of mighty thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the twenty-four elders, and no one could learn this song except those one hundred forty-four thousand who had been redeemed from the earth. For they are spiritually undefiled, pure as virgins, following the Lamb wherever He goes, They have been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. No falsehood can be charged against them. They are blameless. And I saw another angel flying through the heavens, carrying the everlasting good news to preach to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. "'Fear God!' he shouted. "'Give glory to Him! For the time has come,' when he will sit as judge, worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or who accepts his mark on the forehead or the hand, must drink the wine of God's wrath. It is poured out, undiluted, into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulphur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment rises forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue, and have accepted the mark of his name. Let this encourage God's holy people to endure persecution patiently, and remain firm to the end. OBEYING HIS COMMANDS AND TRUSTING IN JESUS. AND I HEARD A VOICE FROM HEAVEN SAYING, WRITE THIS DOWN, BLESSED ARE THOSE WHO DIE IN THE LORD FROM NOW ON. YES, SAYS THE SPIRIT, THEY ARE BLESSED INDEED, FOR THEY WILL REST FROM ALL THEIR TOILS AND TRIALS, FOR THEIR GOOD DEEDS FOLLOW THEM. THEN I SAW THE SON OF MAN SITTING ON A WHITE CLOUD, he had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then an angel came from the temple and called out in a loud voice to the one sitting on the cloud, Use the sickle, for the time has come for you to harvest. The crop is ripe on the earth. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. After that, Another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, who has power to destroy the world with fire, shouted to the angel with the sickle, Use your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are fully ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle on the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. And the grapes were trodden in the wine press outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. Hello, and welcome to
1: Transformation Radio. Today I'm your host, Wes Thompson. Happy uh, for you to listen in, and hopefully you're encouraged today. So welcome. Welcome again to Transformation Radio. This is our third and final installment of our conversation about Veritas West and the community on the west side. Uh, we really hope you found this conversation to be encouraging and insightful. Um, we've uh, we spent time praying about this, thinking about this. We really want to share what we feel like God has done, is doing, and look ahead to what God is going to continue to do. So. Be blessed, be encouraged. I hope everyone has a great holiday season. One thing, Phil, my, my counselors last week said, you know, Rich Plass and Jim Cofield, they said like uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me that kind of reminds me, it kind of spurred this in my head is that like maturity has a lot to do with being able to find contentment and joy in the normal. And I think that I think that what's unfortunate, like what we have to be really, really aware of as people, especially as people that maybe have a more addictive mind. And I know that that's a controversial thing to say, an addictive mind, but I would even include myself probably in that a bit. Um, we live in a society that preys on people like us. Um, every time you get a like on Instagram, it's a dopamine hit to your brain. Every time you eat uh, a higher sugary substance, it's a a dopamine hit to your brain. When you are addicted to heroin, it's a dopamine hit. It just overrides your, your senses. Same thing with meth and, and all these, all these uh, hyper hard drugs. And I think that um, what we can do is get addicted to um, any situation that kind of is hyper arousal. And I don't mean that just in like a sexual erotic way, but I mean like anytime we just get a hit of like something that's fast and, and fun and good, not saying that like feeling good is bad all the time, but like maturity is learning to find joy in the normal, the normalcy that like when you leave and when you, when you exit the refuge and launch out to a, to your family, if you have one finding joy and just being present with your kids and changing a diaper, um, listening to your wife and how she's processing a tough day. Um, being able to sit quietly in the morning with a cup of coffee and reflect on the goodness of God. These things, I think, Mark, um, probably maturity, what maturity looks like. And I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, I've got to just make myself stop, make myself slow down. No, I think it's actually a step towards something that I can just be content. I'm literally okay with where I am. Um, And I think what happens is if we're not aware of some of these these addictions to hyperarousal, that we'll just keep jumping from one feel-good thing to another if we're not careful. And that kind of behavior lends itself towards disappointment and anxiety and back to kind of the, the behaviors that got us stuck in the first place. And so I don't know, when you say that, I'm kind of hearing just kind of a uh, an encouragement, but also also a challenge. Um, I don't know, does that resonate with any of you? Yeah, it does. It does for me because it's the, um, the idea
2: that Instead of it look, instead of being like, well, I need to kill this this uh, desire in me to to search for something. It's it's identifying that that desire is actually a good thing. We're just using and responding in the wrong way, because the desire is I want connection, I want to feel loved, I want to love, um, but I'm going after the wrong thing. So the more beautiful thing is often not what we think is beautiful. So that that idealized vision of community. Um, I see the most potential for my idealized version of community with the refuge um, alumni becoming members and leaders at Veritas West where they are very like, where you cannot tell the difference between someone who's in in the refuge uh, and someone who's a member at Veritas Western and then also who's, who lives next to the church. We have an opportunity there and that's something that's, that's my idealized version, but knowing that that's not going to be it, but my desire for that isn't bad, but it's knowing that it's not going to look the way I have pictured in my mind, but that's still the goal I'm shooting after because that's what God uh, has placed on my heart. And I know he's placed that on your guys' heart because we wouldn't do this stuff if it was for a paycheck. Like, this is tough. Like, just like the guys in the refuge, they're not doing this for a paycheck. They're doing it because they want to be whole. They want to, They want to be good leaders in their families. Like the most important things in life are ridiculously hard. And they, when we say like this, well, we have to paint a more beautiful picture. And it's knowing that that beautiful picture in your head uh, isn't actually the most beautiful thing. There's something better than that. and It is messy um, and there's nothing better than a local church to kind of. Reset our expectations, like what Phil, you were talking about earlier is the expectation that a lot of people in the refuge have on Christian community. So they've experienced something that's, uh, I would say, radically, uh, radically being like the root of what Christian community can look like. And they have that in them to then create that in the neighborhood they're going to move into, whether it's in the west side or or, uh, outside they have that ability, they've seen what it looks like and they know what to shoot for. So, yeah. yeah. I think being able to celebrate God's goodness in me the, in the, what we would call mediocrity, um, I mean, if we, if we say it, everything has to be flashy and I always have to be, it always has to have this high level of whatever, we're missing the point that like, Jesus was a very modest looking guy, led a very mediocre working class job. He lived with his mom until he was in his like late 20s. He lived a very mediocre life but he was motivated by something deeper. So we would not if we followed Jesus around with a camera apart from like the last, his like the last years there'd be, there'd be like spurts of excitement but a lot of the time it was like man it had to have been just super dull looking. It wouldn't make dramatic TV.
1: And I think the occupational hazard of chasing, chasing a better feeling all the time is that it's elusive. Remember, Ian Morgan Cron years ago gave this analogy. He's the co-author of The Road Back to You, but he was talking about Christian sanctification. And he said, if our Christian sanctification boils down to just the pursuit of, of, of better feelings— then he said, it's the same thing as a junkie that's shooting up, and, and again, it's a, crass, it's a crass example, but a junkie that's shooting up heroin. Because he says, what happens is, you have a great experience, but then the next week you need a better one, and the next week you need a better one, and the next week you need a better one, and the next week you need a better one. You gotta have a little bit better next time, and a little bit better. Well, well what happens is, what you're, what you're trying to find satisfaction is, if that's you, is not actually giving you satisfaction. And, and at some point, it's not going to be enough. So there's got to be another way. There's yeah. got to be another way. Mm-hmm. Because if we, if we make something,
2: if we make a feeling or emotion our God, a desire for that, it'll, we'll crush it with our expectation. We'll crush anybody outside of Christ with that expectation of, of being that better, bigger, better, all, all the time thing.
1: Well, yeah, and death isn't going to feel good all the time, right? I mean, Jesus calls us to die. I mean, there's parts of us that need to die. That's the point. That's one of the big points of Christian sanctification, of being like Christ. And we can't assume that death is always going to feel good. If we have that belief somewhere in us, we are going to have a very fragmented, we are going to have a very fragmented and a very broken spirituality. There's just no way around it. There are things in us that need to die. There are expectations in us that need to die. And and that's, I'm including myself, but there's beauty in it. There's goodness in it. Yeah. Because it's the way God made it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Um, Noah, um, Pastor Phil. Austin, you're good, men. I thank you for this quick conversation. I hope to have more with you and my refuge guys. I hope this is encouraging to you. Uh, the last quote I'll leave you with maybe is kind of a summary of the, the latter part of our conversation here, as I remember reading, um, probably it was, it was a very uh, man. I just, I wept through most of the book, but because, because of the season I was in personally, but there's a book by Zach S wine um, called the imperfect pastor. And, This isn't an exact quote, but he said something to the extent of, if if I'm not experiencing God in the normalcy of life, then I'm not going to be experiencing God in about 95% of my life. Because 95% of life, if not more, is just normal. You know, I wake up on a Monday, I put my pants on, you know, you make a cup of coffee, you go to work, so on and so forth. Most of life is pretty normal. If I don't cultivate a life where I can experience God in normalcy, where I can experience joy and normalcy, where I can cultivate uh, contentment and normalcy, then I am going to have a very tough time coping with my life. And so my encouragement to you guys is stay the course. Um, be vigilant about fighting for your own soul. And um, just know that we're here for you. Pastor Phil's here for you. Austin's here for you. Noah's here for you. I'm here for you. Um, We're praying for you. Um, We want to see you all flourish and succeed and find happiness and find joy. We're not saying don't pursue happiness. We're just saying that be cautious of where you're trying to pursue it. Because often where we pursue happiness is not where happiness is found. And so... Be blessed and uh, we'll talk soon. I hope everyone enjoyed this uh, final conversation regarding Veritas West and the community on the West Side. We are going to be providing more content in the new year. Until then, I hope everybody has a great holiday, a great Christmas. Um, I pray blessings over all of you and look forward to um, talking to you soon. So stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk soon. Thanks. (laughs)